You're listening to episode 67 of The Marketer's Mindset with Brian Burkhardt. Welcome back to The Marketer's Mindset, the podcast where we talk about how to create and sustain an empowering mindset to help you build a successful online business and lead a happy and abundant life. My guest today dreamed of being a CEO of a major corporation while she was growing up. The child of Chinese immigrant parents, she was taught that a steady job and a paycheck were the ticket to the American dream. So with her dream and this limiting belief system, she began her path attending prestigious university Princeton and majored in engineering which seemed to be the safe path to the steady job and paycheck. By the time she was 25, it appeared that she had reached that American dream, managing millions of dollars in business each year and earning a six-figure salary, along with making her parents proud. Eventually, she would have the epiphany that she was actually living her parents' dream and not hers. Fueled by her unhappiness and her desire to gain more out of her career in life, she decided to start her own business teaching people the digital advertising skills she had learned from previous jobs. And in four short months, she went on to make over $100,000 in sales, all while still working a nine-to-five job. Today, she teaches people how to leave their day job and start their own six-figure-plus business working for themselves. She's the creator of the Employee to Entrepreneur System, which has helped hundreds of students including health and business coaches, designers, copywriters, and consultants on how to launch business that generates anywhere from 30,000 to 100,000 in less than a year. She has appeared in numerous online and print publications, including Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, and Success Magazine, to name a few. Her mission is to provide aspiring entrepreneurs with actionable advice and inspiration to start and build their own hugely profitable and meaningful business. Please welcome to the show, Louisa Joe. Thanks so much for that amazing introduction. Oh, you are more than welcome. It it was fun uh, researching you and finding out that we both have the same interest in mindset and how important it is to developing and, and sustaining a successful online business. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm so excited we're going to be talking about this because it really is like 99.9% of what you need to be focused on. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because I've asked that question out of numerous guests and it keeps coming up that it is a huge, like you said, anywhere they say from 90 to 99% of their success is based on their mindset. It's true. I mean, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea that you, you can just sit and think and, you know, get results. You, of course, have to take the action, but it all stems from just the, the way you even think about what action, how you're going to take it. And it just that that really is where it all starts. Couldn't agree more. All right, Louisa. Now, growing up, it seemed that you were very driven from a young age. Where did this drive come from? 
Yeah, you know, I think it was something that a little bit I was born with it, but it was also just seeing how hard my parents worked. So they had a very kind of typical immigrant story. My parents had come to the U.S. with, I think my dad had like $100 in his pocket, and he had to just work really hard to get a job, finish his studies, and just spent basically his life working to be able to support my sister, myself, my mother. And really, it was all about making sure that he did what he needed to do to be able to give my sister and I the the best that the best chance that we could to live the American dream. And so part of it was seeing how hard my parents worked. And then the other part was just this feeling that, look, my my parents are doing so much for us. And it would just, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't kind of do the best that I could to kind of repay and be grateful for everything that my parents gave me. Yeah. And that goes back to gratitude. I mean, it's huge to, and it seems like from an early age, you, you found that appreciation and you really realized, you know, what opportunities that they were giving you. I mean, it's just, you know, the amazing thing about my parents is that, of course, they never made me feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, you owe us or anything. It was never like that. But just seeing like my dad getting up at I don't know, like super early in the morning before the sun was even up, coming back late. And I remember initially my mom was, when my dad was uh, finishing his studies, my mom was working like two shifts to support us. And she'd come home at like midnight or something. And just seeing that, it really was just basically having my parents teach me through showing me in the best way possible. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing, especially for any parents that are listening you know, you can talk to your children, you can share advice and that's all good, but they watch you and they're going to be watching every action that you do. And that's going to speak tons more louder than any words that you say to see, you know, modeling your parents, if they're telling you one thing, but doing something else, that incongruency just really stands out big time. But if they're hustling and, and providing for you and waking up early and taking on extra jobs, I mean, and that makes an impact on you. You're going to go ahead and follow those lessons and it's going to be a great benefit to you. 100%. Now, Louisa, how was it when you told your parents, you know, after going to Princeton, getting an engineer degree, was that a tough conversation to kind of say, you know what, mom and dad, I'm not happy. And I want to go the entrepreneurial route. How, how did that go? Oh, it was such a tough conversation. And so it wasn't just like a one time, hey, mom and dad, I'm quitting my job type of thing. It was an ongoing conversation that we had for, I feel like I was talking about this for years, where I would say, hey, I feel like there has to be more. Um, and I just, I, I want to do something else. And then I would call my parents from time to time and say, oh, I'm going to quit my job i'm i'm leaving and my parents would say things like hey, just just sit with it for a little bit wait until you're actually making some money from your business cuz you've got a good job they were really that voice of reason telling me all right don't just burn the boats uh, just uh, just spare with it bear with it and i think my parents were really hoping that it was just a bug that would go away <laughs> and <laughs> i would be i would just get over it and then be content and so it went on and on where, I mean, even at the point where I'd gotten my first ever client and 
this was doing exactly what I was doing in my job at the time, digital advertising consulting. I was being paid at my job to do this. So I called my parents and I was like, hey, I just got my first paying client doing exactly what I do at my job. And my dad's response, because he like he didn't know any entrepreneurs. And so it was completely foreign to him to even think about making money outside of being paid by an employer. So his first response was, how did you scam them into paying you? Like, there's no way you could be <laughs> you making legitimate money from not working a nine to five job. And so it was just this ongoing conversation where my parents, because of the way they'd been raised and everything they knew, they loved me and they wanted the best for me. And there was no way that they could conceive of building my own business as being the best thing for me. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there saying that, you know, without having any entrepreneurial, you know, background or anything in the family and then looking at it, like I look at my parents too, the time frame that they grew up with, the beliefs at the time, it didn't really resonate with being an entrepreneur. It was the, the safe path like you talked about. And that's what a lot of us do. I've done that too. I went to college, graduated, went to the corporate world. And, you know, you think that's the safe path, but so much has changed now. And, and I know it's kind of a buzz thing to be an entrepreneur now, but the people that take it serious and really build a business, I mean, it, there's so much benefit to it and they're helping so many people. And now with the internet and available resources with YouTube and things like that, you can really get a lot of information. Oh my gosh. I absolutely agree. I just feel like this is the best time. There's never been more opportunity, more demand for for building a business. At the same time, I do absolutely agree that, you know what? Like I didn't want to stay in the corporate world, but I feel like starting out there gave me just such a great foundation for understanding how to be a business person and uh, really work with others, how a business actually works. And just even like a bigger, a much better appreciation for what it means to be an entrepreneur and not have to go to the nine to five. Yeah. I, I, and that's a great thing. And that's a great point. I like to stress too, to the audience is you can always take lessons from whatever job you did before. If you weren't happy there and it wasn't you know, fulfilling your passion, there's still lessons and things you learn that you take from those into whatever you want to do. So it's never really a loss if you learn from those experiences. That's, I, I could not have said that better, to be honest. It's just wherever you are, there's a reason, there's something for you to take away. And so, yes, you can absolutely work to continue to improve and get out of a situation if you want, but there's always going to be good, good learnings you can take from that. So what was the first business that you started when you were still working and, and you said, okay, I'm going to do this entrepreneurial thing? What was the first venture for you? So many. So uh, before I built a business that was able to replace my income, I want to emphasize like that happened in a relatively short time frame. But before that, I feel like I was trying to do this and testing things for years. So my very first business was actually right out of college. And it was completely by accident, where, as you mentioned earlier, I'd gone to a good college and my mom's friends uh, had basically come 
to her and said, hey, we want Louisa to tutor our kids and help them get good grades and get into a good college too. And so my mom came to me and said, hey, do you want to do this? And basically, I was not going to say no to my mom. But at the same time, I didn't want to spend a whole bunch of time individually tutoring a whole bunch of different kids. And so I want to say kind of out of laziness, uh, my first business was born where I... I started group classes at the local library and I just said, Hey, everybody who wants to come, you can come. And I just, I don't even know what I started charging. It was a pretty low rate because it was my mom's friends. And, uh, they, they came, I did an amazing job. They wanted more. So I started teaching like writing, English, math, like SAT stuff, just every, everything that they wanted to, to hear about. And it just grew from there and, and became a really good sized business. But that was the the first the first kind of taste I had of what it could be like to make some money based on helping people solve a problem. Yeah, that's a great start. Now, how many businesses have you had up until this point where you're at coaching and doing the employee to entrepreneur system? Yeah. So the thing is, I had quite a few uh, business, I want to say attempts, and I made money out uh, off of the attempts, but I don't know that I would consider them, you know, full-fledged, amazing businesses with the team and automation and systems and everything. So I, I had that one that did really well financially. Uh, I had, I did some career coaching for a while. I did some Microsoft Excel coaching for a while. I did digital advertising consulting. And then now I have my current business, uh, which is what I'm doing now. And I love you sharing that because that's, <laughs> you've stressed some great points in here, Louisa, is a lot of people, one, or want that overnight success. They want it now, which is understandable. Of course. <laughs> you know, depending <laughs> on your personality and this type of uh, um, era that we live in, people want things now, fast, quick, but you put in the work, you put in the effort and you tried multiple things. And that's what people need to realize, that if it doesn't work, you try something else. And I know Tony Robbins really stresses that. Like he, he'll use an example when someone says, oh, I tried a, you know, a million things. And then he goes, a million? You really tried? Well, you know, thousand. you've tried a thousand things. And then he gets them down to where they did a handful of things, maybe two or three, and they gave up, <clears throat> you know? So you need to put that in. And, and, and again, it goes back to what I talked about is learning from each of those experiences you, you learned from those things that you were trying. It may not have been a full-fledged business at that point, but the lessons you learned from there were huge. And that's, that's what I want to ask you right now. What were some, from that point when you first started that first teaching, you know, with the mom's friends, their children, up until now, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned through that period of time? Mm, so, like you said, so, so many lessons. I... I will say one of the biggest ones, and I had to learn this a few times, was, look, at the end of the day, if you want to build a great, amazing business for yourself, for your family, it starts with helping other people solve a problem that they want help solving. And so when I think about the failures and successes I've had, every time I did something where I was able to get clients, make some good profits, it was because I was building my business from a place, not from, oh, like what would be cool for me to do to make some money? I mean, there's like, that's great. That was definitely uh, something I was thinking about. But like I shared with building the uh, tutoring business, it was people 
basically saying, hey, I want help with this. Same thing for when I did my career coaching a while back. Uh, it was basically, I'd done well in my career and there were people asking me, hey, what would you advise me to do to like, get a promotion, switch industries to get my, get a six figure salary, things like that. And so there was an interest in that versus when I was doing Microsoft Excel coaching, for example, I started out because I saw some really successful people online who were making a lot of money teaching Microsoft Excel and templates. And I decided to start that from a place of my own ego thinking, Hey, if they can do it, I can. And I have these skills because I use this at my job. So why wouldn't I be successful? There was no, there was nothing in there about what do people care about when it comes to Microsoft Excel? What do people actually want to pay for help with? And I would say just over the years, even in my current business, when I'm creating new courses and products, it comes down to the same thing. Is it a course that I'm creating just because I would, I feel like, oh, it would be nice for me to create this and make some money? Or is it because I'm creating it because I truly feel like this addresses a need that I've seen people talking about? Yeah, that's a good point. How how does one go about that, Louisa? If say someone wants to, they're like, okay, I want to start something. Um, I have this skill set, some things that I've learned through my job or whatever through life. How would they go about researching to find a need that would fit with kind of what their skill set is? What would be a process for this? Yeah. So I can't remember. I know someone really famous who said this, but it basically follow the breadcrumbs, right? So where you start first is really thinking about in your life has like, what do, what are people asking about related to that? So with my career coaching example, for example, people were asking me for career advice. And so following the breadcrumbs there, asking like at that time, I went to the those people, I went back to them and just basically kind of did some market research with them where I sat them down and I said, okay, tell me a little bit about what you're struggling with when it comes to moving forward in your career. What have you tried? And then I asked, look, what do you really want from this? What, like, where do you want to go? Is it the dream job, salary, etc.?" And then finally I asked, hey, I'm not trying to sell you anything, but if I could help you with and whatever that result they had shared with me they wanted, I would just re mirror it back to them. I'd say, hey, it, would you be willing to pay for help on this? And I looked for those four things, the struggle, the dream, what people are already trying. I asked people, I searched online for phrases like career, you know, getting a career challenges, uh, like other career coaches, what career books are, are there, just, uh, just using Google and talking to people to really understand what the need is and where, uh, who the people are who want that and, and where that willingness and ability to pay is. Yeah. Now, now what about, what have you found with these coaching students? What is their biggest uh, struggle that they're having? Something stand out that you kind of see as a common theme? Oh, yes, there are a few. I would say one of the top challenges is really even believing that they have something that you have something in yourself to be able to build a successful business. And that goes back to, first of all, most of us are not raised around entrepreneurs. So like I was sharing earlier with my dad, it just feels so foreign to even think, oh, I can make money on my own. And really believing that, okay, I'm, I'm getting paid for some skills that I have in my job, but 
can I translate that into my own business? And so making that first leap is huge. Just having that belief that, oh, if I'm being paid for something in my job, I could probably take that in some way, shape, or form and go directly to people who are willing to pay me for that. So how do you get them to switch that those limiting beliefs and to believe in themselves? Do you have some strategies or things that you've learned through the years? What's worked for you? Yeah. Absolutely. So there, basically, this is something that we just, I, I tried to kind of attack it in uh, quite a few ways. So uh, a few of the top ways is number one, proof, right? When you can when you can see proof that others have done it, that it's really possible, that shifts something in in yourself. And so I remember when I first stumbled upon the online world, I didn't even realize like coaching courses was a thing. And I remember the moment where I saw like a, a course teaching you how to uh, how it's possible to build an online business, I was, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what is this? It was like a whole new world had been opened to me. And so what I try to do first is with my students and my clients really share examples from past students, just examples all over showing them, hey, it's possible. Then once you start having that belief, the next thing is, look, you've got to get out of a, that vacuum of your mind. You've got to kind of reinforce that belief with proof around you, yourself. And that's what ties back into what we were just talking about a second ago with actually talking to people. Because when you hear someone say, oh my gosh, yes, I would love to pay that. When you hear someone say, hey, I've hired other coaches before to help me with this. When you hear things like that, you realize oh, this is a thing. People actually want to pay it. And bit by bit, you just start building that belief in, in yourself. Yeah. I, belief is so important. And I know it holds so many people back. So I appreciate you sharing that because that's one of the, the sticking points, I think, with a lot of people is getting out of the gate because they don't have that belief. Oh, my gosh. No, I, I love that you asked that because I 100% agree. Now, We've talked about this and I know that you're big into mindset. I can hear it, what you're saying and everything. Take me through here, Louise. I want to break down um, about quickly scaling your business. You said that you had scaled a current business to $1.1 million in sales in the first 11 months. But I want to start out, let's go with what was your mindset behind that first? And then we can start talking about going into strategy around that. Yeah. So I would have to say there was so much mindset. I mean, it was a lot of physical work too, but the mindset work behind that was critical. And for me, the biggest challenge I had to overcome in the initial stages of this business was my money mindset. So yes, I had to work on building my confidence on my beliefs, all of that. But for me, the number one thing, and I see this for a lot of other uh, people as well, is for me, I was brought up to believe that money is hard to make, that people who have a lot of money are not necessarily the best people, and that there's a, a good amount of guilt that comes with making money. I remember when I got my first job, I was making about $65,000 a year. And I, I that was um, not including like a good amount of bonus that we were paid to. And I remember calling up my dad and telling him, and he said this in his very like fatherly way, just like 
very matter of fact, not to put me down or anything, but basically he just said, hey, wow, like, I can't believe you're being paid that much. You're not worth that much in terms of like the, the market, you know, supply and demand, his own experience. And like that just gives you an idea of the kind of the way I was raised to think about money, where $65,000 a year was like, whoa, you know, like you're not worth that much. You're going to have to like work your butt off to, to make it. And, you know, you better be darn grateful and like maybe feel a good amount of guilt for it too. And so it, it was that whole like scarcity mindset as well. And so what I really had to do was I had to, I mean, I read as many books as I could get my hands on, on money mindset, YouTube videos, courses, all like everything I could do to really understand first, like how I, I didn't even realize for the longest time, that that's how I thought about money. Cause I thought that, oh, I did well in corporate. I'm confident. I don't have any issues with money. But when it came to getting clients, I would feel guilty for making a sale, even though I was giving great value. I would feel guilty because I would think all the things that my dad had taught me, oh, they must be, it must be so hard for this person to make money. And then I would think all the like uh, lack thoughts of, oh man, it's so hard to get clients. What if I don't get another one? And so there was no way if I hadn't addressed all of those blocks I had around money first that I would have been able to cross, I, I truly believe cross six figures, let alone seven figures anytime soon. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how powerful those beliefs are that you're raised? I mean, they're under the radar. They're subconscious. Like you said, hey, I had success in the corporate world. I'm ready to go now. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to build this business. But subconsciously, you still have these beliefs because they're so ingrained from an early age that you need to break through those. It's it's just incredible how they, that they run. <laughs> You know, I, I, I like, even to this day, I'm just so amazed by the power of the stories that we grow up with. Like, again, I didn't realize this until I sat down and I was thinking through, okay, what memories do I have of my childhood? And there were a few, like one was this, this one is crazy. I, you know, my parents had us do chores and one chore was one year when we moved into uh, like a home, my parents had saved up for it. It was such a big deal, but um, my parents basically had to kind of uh, do a lot of things on our own to be able to afford the home. And one of the things was we had to lay out our own grass. And so it was like cold and we just put out the grass on the lawn with like these uh, small packets of grass. And then I had tracked it because it was cold and I think a little bit rainy or something. I had tracked mud into the, the house and not realized it. And so my dad had said he was going to pay me $20 to do this because it was a lot of work. And so he sits down, he's about to hand me the $20. And then just as I'm about to reach for it, he hold, takes it back, holds it out of my grasp. And he was like, this would have been the $20 you would have gotten. However, because you tracked all this mud into the house, I'm only going to give you so much. And I don't remember the exact amount. But what I didn't realize until I sat down to really understand the way I thought about money was that, oh, that left me with the idea that to be able to make money, you have to be perfect. You have to do everything perfectly, be absolutely flawless, or else you're just not going to make a lot of money. Wow. I can relate to that perfectionism. <laughs> that's a tough <laughs> one. Oh, that's a killer. Yeah. 
so it's just like these things that you don't even realize you've been carrying with you for most likely decades. It's just, man, it's just crazy how our, our minds work. So what, I know you said you read books, watch videos. What were some of the things that worked for you, Louisa, to change that story you had around money? Yeah, so I would say there were two books that just completely changed the way I thought. The first one was Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And that one wasn't so much a book about money mindset, but it was just about the way our thoughts affect our reality. And I had before that read books like Think and Grow Rich. And I remember thinking, what are you talking about? I just think, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars and it happens. There's no way. <laughs> and so that was the first book, Psycho-Cybernetics, that really made me understand, oh, wow, the way you think really does affect what happens to you. And so I'd better take this seriously. And so once I started realizing that, that's when, that's when I started thinking, oh, wow, look, the way you think about money, of course, makes a big difference too. And that's when I, uh, the second book, Tapping into Wealth by Margaret Lynch, I, I came upon that, I read it, and uh, so the book talks about, it's broken down into chapters that address the different blocks we have about money. And it also introduced me to tapping, which is a whole really powerful technique uh, that really helped me, but just aside from the tapping itself, just like understanding the different blocks we have about money. Like she talks in one chapter about the family paradigm, where look, what you make is very much uh, dependent upon the, the paradigm around money that you were raised with. So if you want to make more than what's acceptable, you've got to break that belief system. And so just realizing, oh, there are so many different blocks and ways that I'm holding myself back because of how I'm thinking about money that allowed me to first realize them and then address them and then bit by bit, just work through them. Yeah, that's great. I, I haven't heard of that second book. So I'm going to definitely check that out because I'm a big book nerd. I love reading personal development things, things that can improve. Yes. I don't, I don't read oh, any fiction. Too. So I'm just a straight <laughs> nonfiction guy. I think I read maybe one whole book from cover to cover of, of a fiction book, uh, everything else nonfiction, <laughs> but uh, psycho cybernetics definitely is a great book. So anyone listening that hasn't checked that out, get that book. Cause that is so, Oh it, my gosh. It, it's well, so amazing. What was that? Louisa? wasn't it written like in this, I want to say the yeah. or something by the doctor, yeah, was... Dr. Maxwell or. Yeah, exactly. It was, I mean, it was a good while ago, but it's crazy. He, he was a plastic surgeon, I think, and he noticed that he would do surgery on some patients and some of them would look amazing after the surgery and act in a completely different way. Whereas others, even though they looked physically amazing, would still act as if the way they had acted before the surgery. And we're talking people who had, who weren't just like, oh, I need to fix my nose. They were, they had like disfigurements or burns or or things like that. So really major, major changes in their appearance. And that made him want to study like what affects how someone sees themselves? Why are some people acting so confident and others not so much, even though they've all received amazing uh, surgeries? And that's when he really dug into it and he was really scientific about it and really started uh, uncovering the things that he shares in his book. Yeah, and there's a lot of great actionable stuff in there. It's just not theory. I mean, it's exactly. from the doctors, actually. Yeah, so it's it's powerful. That'll definitely be linked in the show notes with the other book you recommended, too. Now, 
Louisa, was EFT, the, the tapping, was that effective for you for changing some of your beliefs? Did you find that modality worked? So I have to say, um, tapping into wealth kind of reintroduced me into tapping. I believe I had heard of it quite a few years before that. But the first time I heard of it, even though the the friend who had mentioned it to me told me, hey, people like Oprah love tapping. Uh, I remember thinking, I don't get this. This sounds like BS. So I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. But after I heard of it again in this book, it was like the right time, right place. I was ready to hear it. I was open to trying it out. I started basically following what the book talks to you about for tapping. And I have to say this, this like being reintroduced to it, trying it out for the first time, it, I, it really was effective for me. It really allowed me to hone in on what I was thinking, un, uncover like these deep stories that I'd completely forgotten about that I wasn't aware of. And I, I definitely would have to say it was a huge factor in my being able to work through my blocks. That's great to hear because I've dabbled in it a little bit. I've, I've read some of the books and some of the authors and I actually have one on my bookshelf here. I don't have it in front of me that I can look at. But yeah, I think it's powerful. I've heard a lot of good results and people that have raved about it. So I, I wanted to hear your personal experience. But I think it's it's one of the things I've thought like I need to start putting some time into along with meditation. So I got a few things. I don't want to overwhelm with you know, one of those lists where I got to tap. Yes. I got to meditate. I got it to whatever. So, but I think it's something that's going to be very valuable to incorporate, you know, throughout the week, if not daily, but, you know, at least on a consistent basis. Yes. Yeah. It's just like, it was the same thing for me. It wasn't like I was like, I did one session and just thought, okay, life changed. Yeah. I basically had to say, you know, look, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off my skepticism for a little bit, but I'm, I'm willing to try this because you, you never know where you're going to get your next aha. And so I stuck with it for quite a few weeks before I started realizing, oh, wow, I'm starting to think differently about money. Yeah. And that's a huge point you brought up is let go of your skepticism. I mean, it's <laughs> yes. it's fine to have a healthy where you don't get hurt or get taken advantage of, but you really need to open your mind and say, you know what? I keep hearing this. I hear people having results. I'm going to try this and commit to it for like a 30-day period or 60-day. Don't do it once and say, like you said, hey, my life hasn't changed yet. What's wrong? <laughs> I still believe it. It's not going to happen like that. Really commit to it and, you know, Give it 30 to 60 days and see if it works for you because the proof will be if it works for you, it, it works. If not, there's a lot of other different modalities that you can use, but you got to put in the time. I, I love that you emphasized that because I have to say that was something that I really had to kind of get be okay with. Like, oh, I did this one thing. It wasn't uh, like life changing right now, but let me stick with it. And the way I think about it now is like, it's working out. Like when we equate these things to something that we're familiar with, it just makes so much more sense. Just like you wouldn't do one workout, no matter how amazing and expect to just be fit for for life. It's the same thing with any new type of mindset, work or idea. Yes, absolutely. It's not one and done. It's that consistency, (laughs) consistent, even if it's small, even if you're doing it for, for five, 10 minutes a day. But you're consistent. That is the key, the consistency. I I honestly, five to 10 minutes a day is better than like doing one 30 minute session and never doing it again. So much better. Yes. Yes. So true. Now let's go, Louisa, more into some of the strategies now. What are some 
strategies that you use to explode your sales around marketing, maybe some tools that you use that have helped you, um, some platforms that you find have been effective with your advertising? Can you kind of talk about some of those? All right. So a lot of my strategies boil down to the same principle, which is that I really grew my business quickly by focusing on the power of one. That's what I like to think of it as. So a few specifics. First of all, I focused on one product for about the first two to three years of my business. I wasn't out there trying to create lots of different products. I did one product, but in lots of different forms. So I started out with private coaching and you know that that was my product then i worked with some people got helped them get really great results then i took a small piece of what i was helping my private clients with and created a uh a first like a smaller course to to help people and again got them really great results then that gave me my experience creating and launching my first course i took the whole process i was helping my private coaching clients through and put it into my signature course employed entrepreneur then i sold that and launched that and then i just did it on repeat for about 2 to 3 years and the thing is i I didn't just like just sell it and then, you know, do nothing else. During that time, I focused on helping people get more testimonials so that I would get more, have more testimonials and really build the brand of the course and and my own brand. Then I also focused on improving the course itself. So anytime there was a question or something that came up where I realized, oh, I can improve this, great, went there and did that. Then finally, I also focused on continuing to improve how I was able to market and sell it. So the more I did it, the better I got at it, the better results I got. And so it just continued to snowball. Whereas if I had been trying to do two, three, four, five different courses, I would have had to start the process from scratch for each one. And that really would have slowed me down. So I focused on one product. And then not only that, I focused on essentially like one thing at a time. So for example, when I was starting out wanting to build my business while in a job, Jobs are demanding things. And so I, you know, I, I wasn't trying to like do everything. I just thought, all right, if I can only do a few things, what's going to be the biggest return on my investment of time? And I focused on selling my one-on-one coaching package. Not only that, I didn't spend a lot of time like trying to make my website pretty or create a super complicated funnel. I focused all my time on connecting with potential clients. And I did that by going to where my potential clients were. For me at the time, it was they were on Facebook because this was about, I want to say like five, six years ago. Facebook groups were so relatively fresh and new. My uh, potential clients of people who were wanting help with their advertising were there talking about it. So I went into groups. I searched for keywords like ads, campaigns, Facebook ads that people are asking about. I answered those questions. I shared free content, like no sales, just free content of what I knew that like best practices to help people and people who are interested. I would talk to them. I would just basically focus all my time on getting in front of potential clients, answering their questions, sharing value, talking to them until I basically got like booked out with private coaching clients. Then after that, like, again, you can see this is all like 
one thing at a time, the power of one. After that, like I knew, okay, I have testimonials. I know why people want to buy from me. I know exactly like the language I need to be talking about to really connect with my audience. I've got that down. Then I focused on mastering one uh, traffic source, which for me, given uh, what my job was at the time, also really worked out. I focused on really growing my business through Facebook advertising. So I took everything I'd learned from talking to my clients and marketing and doing all of that put it into my ads, and then use that to really quickly scale my business with selling that one course that I just made better and better. So more and more social proof built up on those ads. And so it just, again, it was like, it it just snowballed because of the the power of focusing on just one thing at a time. (laughs) Louisa, you said so many great things in that. That is so powerful. I love it. Have you read the book, The One Thing? No, I actually have not. Oh, it's it's real popular. Check it out on Amazon. It's by a real estate broker. His last name, I believe, is Keller. Okay. I don't know if he's part of the Keller Williams um, real estate in his business or what, but great book. Two authors wrote it, and it's it's just what you talked about, finding something and focusing on it. And I love how you, that theme ran throughout your whole process from getting a product to focusing on testimonials to <clears throat> picking one avenue to market with. Not saying I'm going to be on Instagram, LinkedIn, (laughs) Twitter, a YouTube channel. No, focus on one thing and get good at it. And then you can expand from there. So uh, I think that's just huge what you shared there. So anybody, if you're not taking notes during this episode, you need to go back, re-listen to this. And you definitely need to take down because Louisa is sharing actionable things that you can actually implement. And she's talking from experience, guys. This is from someone who worked a nine to five job and has built a successful business on the side. So she was able to leave that job and do this full time. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I know I I packed a lot of stuff into there. So definitely go back and listen. I just wanted to make sure I was able to share as much as possible. No, I love it. And that's one of the things I like. And and I'm going to kind of transition here is I watched a few of your YouTube videos and one, I, I want to say I love them. You're great in front of the camera, Louisa. Um, you're oh. very personable. Your energy comes through and you share actionable advice. It's not theory. You actually give people for free, like you said, so much value. Now, a couple things that I picked out from some of the videos that I saw, one thing you talked about, and I want you to kind of expand on, which I thought was great, is Uh, One of your videos, you talked about building relationships with your customers and clients and how that sets you apart. Why, Why do you feel that's so important to focus on that? Yes. Okay. So first of all, thank you for letting me know about my videos. I really appreciate that. Um, And so to go back to the power of building relationships, it really, I mean, honestly, again, the power of one thing, that's really what it comes down to. So a common mistake I see new entrepreneurs make, and I made this uh, way back uh, in my earlier attempts as well, is you think, okay, I'm going to set up a beautiful website. People are going to just find me and it's going to be like the amazing 
like funnels and pop-ups and emails that I write that's going to get me clients. No. <laughs> Down the road, sure, after you've built all of uh, like the uh, the ability and skills and social proof to be able to do that. But when you're beginning, and no matter how good you are at what you do, like you've built up your career or however you've built that experience, it's not visible online. So anyone who hires you initially is kind of taking a leap of faith in hiring you. And so what you want to be doing is kind of like not kind of just giving them as much reason to believe in and trust in you as possible. And the best way to be able to do that is to connect with them as a human being. And I don't mean like, oh, hey, here's my personal life or anything like that. What I mean is basically to like forget anything you've heard about, oh, do this or don't give too much or just like fancy tactics. Look, if you go up to someone, you can help them. You can show, hey, oh yeah, I know what I'm talking about. I know specifically what I'm talking about for your situation. That leaves by far the biggest impression that opens them up to potentially hiring you. And the best example I can think of is when I started out uh, wanting to help people with digital advertising. Initially, I didn't even know what to sell. I had no sales skills. I just went into Facebook groups. I started answering this woman's questions. And uh, I saw she was asking about it. I actually answered it in the post. I messaged her and said, hey, this is what I do in my job. I am so happy to give you advice for free. Uh, All I would ask in return is you answer a few market research questions. And so we got on a call. Uh, We did that, had that amazing exchange. Then she emailed me back and forth for about two weeks just asking me follow-up questions. And at this point, I, I honestly didn't even know if people wanted to buy what I had to sell. And so I was so happy to help her. I was thinking, oh, man, people care about what I have to share on this topic. And so it was great. And then out of the blue, she emailed me after about two weeks. And she said, hey, you have given me so much amazing value for free. How can I hire you? And I actually had to say to her, hey, please hold off for about uh, a week. Let me figure out what I can do to, for us to work together because I have no idea. Let me figure out what's fair to both of us. Let's schedule a call to talk about it and let's then we'll talk about it. So I had to go and just like do a whole bunch of Googling like, okay, what's a fair coaching package? What do you charge? All of that stuff. And I got on the call with her. I was sweating bullets because I'd never had a sales conversation in my life. And I'm sure like, I, like if I could listen back to that, now I'm sure I'd be like, what was I thinking or saying? But because I had built that relationship with her and she knew, okay, this woman knows what she's talking about. She has helped me a lot. Like she is genuinely here to really provide value. Okay. I'm in. And it was just a no brainer for her where she was like, okay, I was, you know, pretty much figured this would be it. And I was ready before we got on the call because of the exchange we've had. And that's what I mean when I say build relationships. Uh, I'll share one more quick example that's really important. I continue doing that. Basically, I was like, okay, this worked. Let me keep on doing that. And I did that even when I did my first course launch. So I, you know, what I see happens a lot is once uh, a business starts growing a little bit, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs might just sit back and be like, oh, you know, I've made it. No, with my first course launch, I wasn't thinking, okay, now I've got some leveraged passive income. You know, I don't need to do anything. I actually did more. I personally messaged every single student in my course. I like every week followed up with them. I hopped on calls with them if they needed because I wasn't thinking, oh, let me work less. I was thinking, how can I help them get better results? And through doing that, here's the crazy thing. Not only did they get amazing results, like this is unheard of, but I had like think maybe 
10, 15 people in my first course. And pretty much, I want to say like 90, 95% of the people uh, ended up getting the results they wanted. And because of that, I, I did close to $10,000 for that first course launch. Wow. Um, but here's the crazy thing. Because I over-delivered, at the end of that course, which was seven weeks, uh, so many of the people said, I loved the results that I got already. I want to keep on working with you. That they bought into my one-on-one program for an additional $20,000 in sales. Oh, that's awesome. That, right? That is the power of relationships. Yeah, relationships are so huge. And just from talking with you, Louise, I can see other than your ability to communicate, you're, you've got great energy, like I said, you, you're good. At, you know your knowledge and you're good at speaking and expressing it. But also, I can see because you live by principles, me and my friend always talk about it. We'll go to breakfast and you know talk about business. He's got a, a business in the pool industry where it's design your own pool and that. And we always talk about stuff and everybody talks about tactics and strategies, but the principles are are the core of what's not going to change. Yes. Your platform where you market's going to change. There's going to be a new social media that's going to come out. There's going to be a new way to do funnels. There's going to be a new way to do that. But the principles of connecting with people and building genuine, authentic relationships is never going to go away. That will always be a consistent. And I see you implementing that. And I commend you on it because I can tell in your voice, you're having fun doing business. It doesn't sound, yeah, there's challenges, but the way you're doing it, you're you're adding so much value, you're building such great loyal customers that are going to be with you for the long term. You're not in for the quick hit. Let's make the money, get in and get out. So I love that you're sharing that. Thank you. And, you know, it just, it's like, look, if you're here, why not do something cool that helps people and that allows you to make a lot of money, right? They're not mutually exclusive at all. And I love that you pointed that out. Like it can, it can be really fun. It doesn't like in the beginning, yes, it's a lot of hard work and it will continue to be, but it's not mutually exclusive. And I love that you pointed out that out. So thank you. Because the, the thing is, you know, Yes, it's a big world, but at the end of the day, it's actually a quite a small world. <laughs> so if you're, you know, if you're not delivering on the things that you promise or even over-delivering, guess what? Word's going to get out, right? I can't like I can't like I can't even count how many people in after my first few launches would come to me and say, "Hey, I joined your course because guess what? I went and found someone who had bought your course before and I talked to them and they said, "Yes." like do the course without a doubt. And like if it had been the other way where I had created a really bad product or not delivered on what I talked about, that would have gotten out too. Yeah, so true. No, you're in for the long term. You can tell. I mean, you care about your customers and clients. So, and that's one of the big reasons why you're going to be successful. So that's awesome. Thank you. Let me ask you now, You've coached a lot of students now. What are some of the biggest things that you've learned from your students? Uh, okay. I love this question. I have to say, as soon as you said that, I immediately thought of some of just my, I, I don't want to play favorites, but it's like some of my most <laughs> you know, memorable students. And the thing that I have learned from them is there is no drama. And what I mean by that is, 
like, yes, I'm very logical. I'm an engineer by training, but there's still definitely a part of me that is kind of a drama queen where if something isn't working, I'll be like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work. Why is it, why is it happening to me? Why is it so hard? But for like my most successful students, I'll see where they will be, they, they're like, I want to say they're kind of like machines. I know they go through their own personal emotions, but when they show up, it's just, Hey, I did this thing. It didn't work. This is uh, what I'm going to do next. <laughs> or they'll come back to me and say, this didn't work. I tried these three other things. This is the thing that worked. Where they just like, they pick themselves up from every failure and rejection. And they just take it in stride. Like as, as if it's, which it is, it's just part of the process. And it's for them like, hey, here are the numbers. Here was my next solution. Here was my next solution. Here's what I learned from it. And I mean, that's really... Like, like I said, I, it, that does not come to me naturally. So I have to remind myself and train myself to do that. But that really is the most amazing skill you can build for yourself to, to make sure that you continue to succeed. Oh, yeah. Resiliency is huge. My gosh. So huge. It, yes. Now, what habit, or, excuse me, habits do you feel have been the biggest contributors to your success? Okay, this is, yeah, I mean, I would have to say number one, always focusing on my mindset. So this is, again, like working out, there are times when I will just get so caught up in doing the physical work that I forget to work on my mindset. And what I'll notice is, if I let that happen for too long, it'll kind of go into a downward spiral where I'm working, working, working but not getting the results I want. And it's because I've kind of let go of my thoughts where they, I've let them become really negative. Like, oh, this is you know so hard. I'm doing so much work. It's not going to work. Things are just going to go down the toilet, um, down the drain. And then I have to take a step back and just remind myself, okay, what am I thinking? What do I need to be shifting to reframe my thinking to make sure that that doesn't happen? So that's the first one. The second one I would have to say is making sure that I I continually remind myself not to, um, how do I put this? Not to let ego get in the way because there are times and there have been times in the past when I thought to myself, okay, I've made this much revenue in my business. I have this many people on my email list and, you know, I need to be the big CEO. The thing is, I mean, really with any business, but especially like a business branded around yourself, where you're doing coaching, where you're doing courses. Yes, you should definitely, when it's appropriate, have people supporting you and helping you on your team. But you, you don't, like, it doesn't take you that much time to maybe answer some uh, students' questions in your Facebook group, to respond to comments on social media, to really maintain that personal connection instead of thinking, okay, time to, you know, put on my CEO hat and, and be a big deal. When at the end of the day, like, I have to remind myself, Louisa, <laughs> you're not a big deal, so get over yourself. So just, like, regrounding in that humility and understanding, look, if you get too big for, for yourself, like your business can, can go like that because it's based on the people who are excited about connecting with you and learning from you and, and really reminding myself of that. Yeah. I think those are two powerful things. So how do you, what do you do? Are you a podcast listener, a book reader? What, what helps you 
with, uh, you know, constantly being on top of your mindset? Do you have a strategy or resources you use? Yes. So I'm a little bit of everything, to be honest. It's just, I try to basically immerse myself in whatever I need for as much, as often, as long as I need. So for example, like this morning I woke up and as I was just getting ready, I had in the background, and I mean, this wasn't a mindset like specific thing, but I was listening to a, uh, live stream Q&A that Mark Zuckerberg shared uh, that he did with his company. And the reason I did that was because it was just like, yes, listening to what he was saying, but also just like listening for the things that he wasn't saying, like how much he's built his confidence, the way he's thinking in terms of like changing the world, just like things like that to remind myself to think bigger and how much more possibility there is out there. Then uh, I, I think, um, Oh yeah. After that, I did a uh, live stream, but then after that, I played a YouTube video on money mindset where I just typed in, you know, money mindset and listened to something that sounded interesting. I do listen to podcasts as well, uh, and so it's just. I mean, I also like you love reading nonfiction, and so at any one time, I have probably have like three to four books. I'm kind of just reading through. I don't know if it's the most effective thing, but it's just really what helps. Uh, me do that as well. So that whenever I've got some free time, even if I'm like watching TV, you know, you can be doing that and maybe uh, doing some tapping or just browsing uh, another book. And so just making sure that it's just something that I'm constantly on top of. That's great. It's effective use of your time. I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone, Louisa, that you said that you read multiple books at once. <laughs> I usually have like two or three going. For some reason, it's like I'm not one to just read it one book from cover to cover. So I don't know if that's something I need to change, but I, I usually have two or three that I'm going and I'll read them and I'm like taking notes and I'm highlighting and I'm taking things from it. And I'm like, all right, I got something and then I'll go to something else. I don't, I'm a Gemini, so maybe it's that personality. I don't know, but. I like you know, what, I, yeah, I think it just keeps it interesting. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. true. Now, a lot of people, you know, will go through, and all, especially in your business, you're going to have failures, but I like to call them undesired outcomes mm, instead of failures. I love that. Yeah, it's not a failure. It's just an undesired outcome that I achieved. What was one that you, you would be willing to share? One of your biggest failures that you've had? throughout your business career. Yes. And what did you learn from that? <laughs> I've had so many undesired outcomes. I love that way. Um, we all do, but that's great. That's, I want you to yeah. share that. Oh my I don't gosh. want you to say, oh, I only have one. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, big and small. I'll share one of my biggest ones because, I mean, this was something that for, had, for a while had me thinking, am I just, you know, like not cut out for this? So, and okay, so there are a couple of interesting things about this. This happened, I would have to say, maybe like about year two, a little bit afterwards in, in my current business. And so this was after I had made a good amount of sales. Uh, and so it wasn't even like, oh, I got to a certain point, I made it, and I never had a, an undesired outcome again. I really want to emphasize that. Like it just continues to happen, new level, new devil, that, that whole idea. And so I had done well with my launching, with my course, live course launches, and I decided I wanted wanted to really master how to sell my courses on Evergreen. So basically all the time. And so I thought, you know what? I am 
pretty good at my marketing, my copywriting. I've got a really great product, a whole bunch of testimonials. This is going to be such a breeze. So I took what I, my best practices and what worked best during my live launches and put it into this evergreen funnel and I set it up and I started running ads to it. I, I don't remember like the time frame for this, but I spent like, I think $20,000 the first month be- on, on running advertising to it because I was like, you know what? I've got this down cold. Why wouldn't I? And, uh, I look back a month later. Oh my gosh. Completely just like haven't even broken even on that, um, on that ad spend. And so, okay. So I think, okay, you know what? That's okay. Just a few things I'm going to tweak. I'm going to run all these tests at once and it's going to be great. So I set like a, a series of tests. I test different webinars. I test different email sequences, different copy, all of that. Spend another $20,000 or more uh, on, on the next test. And I think, okay, this is, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to just completely, it's going to be great. I'm going to be rolling in the the evergreen sales. Okay. Another month later, look back. Oh no. (laughs) Um, have lost like even more money than I did the first time. And so basically what I did was I completely just, and it took me, I have to say about like over almost two years to like figure out what was going on and get a a funnel that was working like two years. And during that process, I spent like over a hundred thousand dollars in ads to test it. And what it was, was that basically what works well for a live launch where you've got the live elements, you've got that personal, like more personal connection. I'm doing live streams and things like that. You don't have that during an evergreen sequence. And so the what you what, how you want to be addressing your audience, how you want to be positioning your product is completely different. And so what I had to do was basically through each test, it was very painful, <laughs> very, very expensive. And during that time, thankfully, I here's the thing. I didn't um, thankful. I'm just so grateful that I didn't say, okay, I'm going to, you know, just put all my eggs in one basket and hope that this works. I continue to launch, to do coaching, to do the things that brought in revenue in my business. So it wasn't like, oh, I screwed up. I'm, I'm screwed. Um, thank goodness for that. But through those two years of basically buying myself time through making money in other ways in my business, that taught me, okay, after each webinar, I would say, okay, this is what I learned. How were the stats? And really looking back and just like fixing it bit by bit by bit. But it was just like, I mean, I don't even know how many tests, how many sequences, just like iterating every single week for <laughs> two years on on that. And um, I mean, yeah, like we talked about so many lessons learned from that. No, and I, I appreciate you sharing that because that's the thing that I want to get out with this podcast part of it is that there are challenges and there's things that are going to take you, for example, two years to figure out. But you never gave up. It was that consistency. All right, let's measure it. And if you're not measuring it, you can't fix it. So one, you need to be tracking what you're doing and then looking at those results and seeing what you need to tweak and go back and change it to start getting the desired results. And like you said, you went into it thinking, okay, this is how my funnel needs to be. And you found out that it was totally different, that you needed to go a different route. And it took that experience, that knowledge, those setbacks to even get to the point where it became successful for you. Yes. 
I mean, yeah, it just goes to show. I mean, at every stage, you have to really be prepared to fail. I mean, of course, don't hope, or I mean, not fail. Like, don't hope to not succeed, of course, but you got to be prepared for it. You got to understand that it's just part of the process. Learn what you need to from that and just not give up because that really is the only way that you truly fail. Yeah, I agree. I, I got this one question I, I love to ask because I think about it a lot and I like to get your opinion on this. And you may have heard this through your research because you're into personal development too. And there's different camps on this, Louisa. And, and what I'm, I'm talking about is what is your thoughts around should one double down on their strengths and go all in? Or should someone say, you know what, I have these weaknesses I'm strong in here, but I need to focus and improve on these weaknesses. What is your thoughts? Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed about this because I know. Okay, I am. Okay, so I'll tell you why. So, but my my short answer is it's a little bit of both. But the the longer answer is this is this is this has been my personal experience. Basically. Whenever I have tried to focus too much on improving my weaknesses, basically, you can just like look at my revenue and my business. Those are the dips in the revenue happen. And it's because like, look, we're given the gifts that we're given and like follow the path of least resistance for that. So for example, for me, right, I started out, I'm not like the best, like traditional salesperson, marketer, copywriter, all of that. However, what I do have is I know my stuff. I'm like really great at communicating that and like communicating in a way that allows people to trust me. And I'm really great at teaching. And so as we talked about earlier, that's what allowed me to build my business quickly. However, for example, like what we just talked about, when I try to shift away from that and be like, no, I'm not going to you know, do live streams. I'm going to just like automate my business and focus on the evergreen stuff and do my marketing and copywriting and all of that without adding in the, the personal elements because I just thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. That's when my business took a massive dip in profitability. And it took me two years of focusing on that weakness to really get it to a point where it was uh, profitable. And so during that time, as I mentioned uh, a second ago, if I hadn't focused also on my strengths, like continuing to do my live launches, working with private clients, my business would have just gone under. There's no doubt about it. And so it's one of those things where, look, play to your strengths do what's easy. It's It has nothing to do with what you think you're supposed to be doing or what you see, what everyone else is doing, because everyone has different strengths. There are people who are horrible on live streams, but they are amazing copywriters. So they start out with evergreen uh, funnels and that just works out a lot better for them versus if they try to live launch like I do, they wouldn't maybe get such great results as I do. And so that being said, while you're using your strengths to do what you need to do, and it's the same thing for example, example, if your strength is you've got a great job and your weakness is you need to build a business, great. Continue to stay in that job. Make the the money that pays the bill so you don't have to be worried about that. And then continue to work on your weaknesses and bring that to a place until it becomes a strength. Louisa, you don't know how much I love what you just shared there. Um, (laughs) My last guest last Monday was uh, an entrepreneur out of California, and he's more of the brick and mortar type of business. 
he's built multiple businesses. He's got multi eight figures on one of them. And uh, I asked him, his name's Luke Peters, great guy. And he just echoed what you said, basically, is that he said, you focus on those strengths. He goes, the, 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 uh, I'm trying to think how I want to word this. The, your, your production, like you said, results are exponential when you focus on your strengths that you exponentially produce results. You're not like, oh, it's, you know, a couple times better. He said you can get 500 or 5,000% more return by focusing on that instead of spending your time trying to bring up all these weaknesses where you're basically just kind of average then, or maybe even below average once you kind of take everything into consideration because you're not using your strengths. So what you said just really echoed what he was talking about last week. So I love it. I Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's cool. All right, I got a final few questions here for you, Louisa. One of yeah. them, what are two or three books that you usually recommend to people or maybe give to people? Do you have a couple that are really big on your list? Yeah, so the the top two, to be honest, are the two we talked about, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz and Tapping into Wealth by Margaret Lynch. And I have to say there's another book that I've been really loving lately. I just read it recently, and it's called Stealing Fire. I can't remember the name of the author. Um the stealing fire it's like basically like how silicon valley and like navy seals basically really tap into their great ideas and get into this flow state of their ultimate productivity and so really just i i loved that book because it was such a scientific way of sharing how we tap into oh actually it's very much in line with what we just talked about like our ultimate strengths and being in that zone and that flow of just creating exponentially better results. That's cool. I want to check that out because I think I know the book you're talking about. Awesome. It's a, one of those guys that really focuses on flow. Yes. He's, he's one of the authors. Exactly. Yeah. There was another great documentary that I watched called um, In Search of Success or Searching for Success. And it was a guy that interviewed the, the main people in it were Wayne Gretzky, uh, the hockey player, Jerry Rice, who's like a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and Pele, who's like a soccer great. And then they showed some Muhammad Ali and some Michael Jordan clips in there too. But they were talking about their greatness. And it was interesting because they talked about creativity and how they were creative. And they thought of their selves as artists, that they were creating art. And it wasn't always that structured. And they said one of the biggest things you can do for children is to let them be creative, not to have such a structured training when they're young, but to go out and kind of like street ball, like a pickup game. And he said that's where he learned his creativity. And that was like one of his biggest strengths was that creativity when he got out there and played. He said he was lucky enough to have some coaches that honored that creativity and they weren't. All right, Wayne, you got to do this. They let him go out and be who he created because he was able to explore and be creative and, and find out what his strengths were instead of a coach saying, you need to play this position. You need to play it this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't structured in that. It was really huge. I took away from that. So that was a neat, I think I found it on Netflix or something, but yeah, that was another great source. Oh, yeah. I'm going to definitely look for that. I mean, how amazing that he had a mentor who was able to really help him in that way. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. It was it was powerful on there. So I'll, I'll send you a link later on in an email, oh, on it, and I'll also Thank put it in the show you. notes here. All right, Louisa, what are you currently doing now that scares you and is making you stretch? <laughs> okay, so you know, the, the, one of the things I have to say, I I hear this from so many people is the the term multi passionate to describe themselves. Like I have so many different things I want to do. How do I know what to focus on? And what I've always said is I'm a practical person and I'm always like, look, what's your number one goal? Is it to find your passion right now and slowly build a business? Or do you want to take the skills that you can monetize, build a business, get out of your job and then find your passion? And for me, it, I, not that they're mutually exclusive, but if you're not sure what you want to do, okay, well, why not create the life you want first? And so for me, uh, what that, how that ties in into my answer is like, I love what I'm doing. I, I just can't imagine doing anything else right now, but it's all, I've always known deep down that there is another thing that I want to do and share with the world. And so what I'm doing now is that I'm exploring what that might be. So there's a possibility it ties back into my engineering roots. And I, my next business I want to build is a tech business. And I have no idea what it is, but exploring it, facing the unknown, thinking about like building a tech business from scratch is just scaring the bejesus out of me right now, to be honest. Wow. That's great though. Cause I love how you're, you're willing to reinvent yourself <laughs> in, as far as the business. I mean, to take those, that's, I think that's where the juice is at. You're not pigeonholing yourself into saying, okay, this is what I've been successful with right now, leaving the corporate world. And I'm just going to stick to this because I know it, it mm. works. And I think that's some of the challenge. And I'm sure you've experienced it. Getting comfortable. Yes. Results are being produced. Things are going smooth. And it's like, ah, let's just leave it alone. But then there's no growth. There's no the excitement starts to wane then exactly. as time goes on because it, it's not a challenge. Yeah, I'm good at it. Yeah, I'm getting results, but we need to change something up and, and to go into a totally different direction. That's, that's awesome. I, I mean, I, I love you sharing that, you know, Hey, I'm afraid that's something that scares me, but it's something that also excites <laughs> Thank me, you. you know, yeah. as, as a challenge. yes, definitely a lot of both. No, that's sure. great. Okay. Now I know you have this great PDF, and I want to share this with the audience here. We're going to have a link in the show notes to it. But you created a PDF on, it's called My Roadmap for Building a Profitable Six-Figure Online Coaching Business. Can you talk a little bit about what they're going to get? And then we'll have the link that they can go through and get that free gift from you. Yes, absolutely. So it's a high-level uh, overview. And the the name for the PDF, I had a bit of fun with it. I call it my escape velocity plan for building a, a business that breaks you free from your nine to five. And it's a throwback to uh, my first job ever was as an engineer for a team that supported the space station. And so the concept of escape velocity is how uh, fast something has to be going to break free from its orbit. And so I had a bit of fun with that, like how fast, like what you need to be doing to break free from the gravity of your uh, nine to five. And so basically what it is, it's like I said, like a mapping out of steps uh, of like the process to go through for building a profitable business that replaces your income. And I also list out the top three mistakes that I see, I, I have to say like all the time with people who come to me and are like, look, I want to do this. I've been doing this for a while, but things aren't working. 
So the three mistakes to really avoid to make sure you start out the, the right way and not have to waste a lot of time doing things that aren't going to be working out the best for you. I love how you incorporated that from your um, engineering background <laughs> and stuff. That's cool. It's a great theme. Thank I, I like you. that. That's awesome. Thank you. What, what's the final message, Louisa, that you'd want the mindset listeners to truly get about being an entrepreneur? Uh, it it's it's truly a process. There is no end. There is no I've made it. There is no oh, things are just so easy uh, and perfect, and, and it's just nothing bad. Or I mean, I don't want to say bad, but no challenges, right? It's just. But that's part of the fun. Every single day, like we've been talking about, it's like waking up, getting to do your thing, be in control of your destiny, and asking, hey. What am I, what amazing thing am I going to do today? Who am I going to help? What challenges am I going to grow or what challenges am I going to overcome so that I can grow and just be a stronger, even more amazing person than I was yesterday? Great. I love it. I love your enthusiasm. You have such great <laughs> energy. It's so awesome. It's inspiring. And it's, it's contagious. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. So how can the listeners connect with you? I mean, you got your great coaching program. I want, if someone's listening and says, hey, I love what Louise is sharing. I love her attitude. I love her energy. I love everything about her. She's someone that I want to connect with and possibly get some coaching with. What's a good way to connect with you for that? And then also, you know, if someone wants to reach out through email, social media, what other options are good too? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of ways. The best way to connect with me personally is I'm on Instagram. I'm loving Instagram right now, right? We were talking earlier about different platforms, the different times. And so I'm at, uh, my handle is Louisa, L-U-I-S-A dot, my last name, which is Z as in zebra, H-O-U. And if you just send me a, a DM, um, that's I'm I'm personally reading all of those. If you want to, you know, chat with me, learn more about uh, how to get coaching with me, uh, that's the easiest way to do it, right? Really accessible. And um, that that PDF we talked about is the best way to kind of get onto my email list, so that you start getting my newsletters and emails. And I talk about so many things related to to building your business. And that link is again Louisa Joe, so L U I S A Z H O U dot com slash gift. Super easy to remember. Uh, I, yeah, those are the the two easiest ways to to stay connected with me. Great. We'll have all, like I said, all that information in the show notes so people can connect with you. Louisa, I just want to say this has been a great conversation. I've truly enjoyed this. Um, you've shared a lot of great things, a lot of actionable things, which is near and dear to my heart. I think I mentioned earlier, I love things that people can listen to and they can go ahead and start implementing this immediately in their business and start getting results. So I thank you for being honest, open, sharing actionable stuff. I'm going to keep following you. I love what you're doing. I'm going to connect with you on Instagram so I can follow you and see what you're doing there. But I appreciate you taking the time and thanks for coming on. This has been great. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me and for just such a, an awesome conversation. I'm like pumped after everything we've talked about. Good, so thank you. Awesome. We can go and leave and take on the world after this yes. now. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening, for tuning in. I hope you took notes on this episode. If not, please go back, re-listen to it with a pen and paper or however you take your notes. I'm on old school, so I like to write stuff down. But listen to it, write down what Louisa shared, and the most thing is implement these things. Take action yes. on it. 
So until next time, thank you guys for listening. I love you and I wish you all a brilliant life. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really and truly appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about developing a strong, successful mindset, then go ahead and subscribe by clicking the I'm in button below this podcast. Each week I try to deliver great content that you can learn and apply immediately to help develop a better mindset so you can build a great online business and hopefully a better life. So if you like what we're trying to do here at The Marketer's Mindset, then help us spread the message and give us a rating and review on iTunes so we can help more online marketers. Lastly, I want to hear from you. So if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss or an online marketer that you would like us to interview, then send me an email to brian at themarketersmindset.com. Thanks again. I love you guys. And until next week, take care, and I wish you a brilliant life.